Uh, let us now come to God's word together from the book of Thessalonians, from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verses 13 to, verses, to verse 18. Hear, O people of God, the word of your Lord. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of God. I remember a couple of years ago, well, a few years ago now, um, receiving a call from my mother to come and see my grandfather. Um, every once in a while she had to remind me to go see my grandparents. Uh, as a teenager, I wasn't very good to uh, visiting them. But this was a different kind of call. Um, she knew that my, my granddad was dying. So it was close to his final goodbye and I should come down uh, to visit him. So I, I drove down from the city that I was living to uh, the town where, where my dad uh, lived. And I went into his house, I, I knocked on the door, I, I went in, and I, I don't think anything could have prepared me for that moment. Uh, when I went in, that sudden weird feel on my stomach... Um, it was like a, a hole on my stomach. It, it was a, a terrible feeling. And it was absolutely clear that my granddad was passing away. I knew he had uh, cancer on his bones and, and the end was close. But it was different when I went into that room, that horrible sensation. So I, I held his hand. We had a, a, a conversation. And he was a man, he was a, a very tough man, you know, uh, when he was younger, very violent, and he used to, you know, uh, he hated the gospel, hated Christians, uh, but that night, in that bed, it, he was a different man, because he was facing uh, an opponent that he could not beat up, an opponent that he could not defeat, because that was death. That was coming to him. And there is nothing in life that draws um, such a clear line as death does. If someone is sick, you can always try to uh, 
um, give them medicine and you have the hope that they will recover. If someone disappeared, you can search. But when someone is dead, there is nothing that can be done. It's, there is no remedy. And death is, is merciless. It um, do, doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter uh, if you're rich or poor, if you're strong or weak. Death is a universal experience. We all ex- we're gonna, we all going to experience it. And it's interesting to, to think that this, the, the most horrible uh, human experience, that is death, is a universal experience. None of us can escape that. And yet, instinctively, we know that there is something wrong there. We know that things were not supposed to be like that. Uh, whenever uh, a loved one passes away, we can't help but be upset and be even angry at death. And that things are like that. And we mourn and we suffer. And this is because death was not part of God's original design. Death is an intruder. It's a stain in the beauty of creation. And it was brought in because of disobedience, because of one man's disobedience. It was brought in because our father, Adam, he disobeyed God, he rejected the Lord, and then in his rebellion, the whole human race uh, fell with him. Because when he rejected God, he was not only rejecting uh, the creator and the source of life, but by rejecting God, he was rejecting life itself. So death became an unavoidable consequence of Adam's choice. But it still is an intruder. And uh, our instinct of hating it is a natural human instinct. Because things are not the way that they were supposed to be. Now, in this uh, letter to the Thessalonians, the verses we just read, Paul encourages these believers. And he encourages them, telling them that they can have hope in the face of death. Even in the face of this most horrible thing that all of us face, Christians can have hope in the face of death. And that is for two reasons that we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. The first one is because Christians are united to Christ in his resurrection. This is the first reason why we can have hope in the face of death. Because Christians, they are united to Christ in his resurrection. And the second reason is because Christ himself, he will come and he will rescue his people with their bodies. Now, so let's have a look at the first reason. We should have hope in the face of death because Christians are united to Christ in his resurrection. Have a look at verses uh, 13 to 14. It says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, 
through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. When we read this letter, we can see that uh, when we read the, the whole letter of, of Thessalonians, we can, we can see that the church in Thessalonica, they were a very healthy, uh, good church. They, they, are, they, they are mature, they love one another, to the point even that they were uh, an example to the churches around, around the world, Paul says. But the Thessalonians, they hadn't yet learned about what would happen to those who had died in the Lord, those uh, Christians who have passed away. They didn't know what would happen to those people. They seemed to be concerned and, and confused Wondering if those who had died away, that, that had passed away, would they be able to uh, be with Christ in Christ's uh, second coming? They maybe were afraid that their loved ones who died as Christians, would they, uh, would they miss the second coming of Christ? So then Paul very pastorally and, and lovingly, he writes to this church and he says, We don't want you brothers to be uninformed. We don't want you to be concerned about things that you, you shouldn't be concerned about. We don't want you to grieve like the world does. As, as those people who have no hope. No, you are Christians. You have hope. And therefore, I want you to be informed. And, and Paul draws this distinction between uh, those who are in the church and those who are outside the church. Because our lives as Christians are, are very distinct to, to those who, who are outside the, the church and have no hope. They think they, they're going to die and, and that's it. But Paul says it's, it's different for Christians. He says in uh, chapter 4 verse 5 that when it comes down, when it comes down to uh, sexual ethics, for example, the Lord, he, he wants us to, to, to live pure lives. Not like the Gentiles who do not know God. That's what Paul says in chapter 4 verse 5. And in the same way now, he doesn't want Christians to uh, be like the Gentiles who have no hope. Who do not know God. But it's interesting that Paul says, I don't want to, uh, he, uh, rather he, he doesn't say, I, I don't want to, to grieve. He doesn't say, you know what, you have no reason to be sad when a fellow Christian, someone you love, passes away. Because at the end of the day, they're going to rise from the dead. So don't be sad. Be, be happy. They're going to rise anyway. That's, that's not what he says. No, he says that we do grieve. And we do suffer. But not like the rest. Not like those who have no hope. And here's an important application for us as Christians. Because, so then when our beloved ones pass away, we don't pretend to be something other than human. We don't pretend that we are stoics, you know, those people above human emotion. We are above grief. We are, we are this, something else. We are so spiritual. That actually, no, we do not grieve. That, that's not what Paul is saying. We do grieve. We suffer and we should suffer. And we cry and we wish things were, were different. But yet, we do not grieve like those who have no hope. 
And also note that grieving then is, is not lack of faith. You might remember our Lord Jesus Christ when his friend Lazarus uh, passed away. Jesus cried. He suffered. And Jesus knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. Didn't he? He knew that. And yet he cried and he suffered. And Jesus was and is the God-man. Perfect in faith. There was no lack of faith in Jesus Christ. And yet he grieved. Yet he suffered. He mourned. He participated in, in our emotions as a human being. Even though he was God, he was truly human. And he experienced grief just like we do. So to mourn, to grieve is not lack of faith. So Paul is saying that we can mourn, but we do not mourn like the rest, like those who have no hope. And the reason for that is because Christians, those who have already passed away, and we ourselves, we have been united to Christ in his resurrection. This is why we grieve, but we grieve with hope. Because Christians, they have been united to Christ in his resurrection. Paul says in verse 14, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Earlier on, we, we mentioned, I mentioned Adam and, and the whole experience of death that we all now have to experience because we are united to Adam when he sinned as, as our representative before God. And so we now experience death and, and we suffer the consequence of Adam's acts because we, are, we were united to Adam. Adam was our representative. It, it's a bit like, um, oh, I'm Brazilian, so I'm, I'm going to give you a, a football illustration. Remind you the, of the World Cup, the painful experience for me of the World Cup. But um, it's, it's a bit like when a football player uh, misses a penalty, as it happened to the Brazilian team in the World Cup. When that guy missed the penalty, the whole team lost. Because that man, at that time, when he was running for the ball and when he missed the penalty, he was representing his whole team. He was representing the whole nation. And so we all lost because he lost, because he missed the penalty. And with Adam, it, it is like that. As the representative, he failed before God. And because he represented all of us, we all now experience death. But then when it comes to Christ, Christians, they are united to Christ. And Christ becomes our representative instead of Adam. And then his experience becomes our experience. We follow in his footsteps. And, and Jesus is not like the, the player who missed the penalty. He is the player that scores the penalty and he wins the match. And because Christ wins the match, we being united to him, we all win with him. So when Christ rose from the dead, he rose on our behalf. And now through Jesus Christ, we all Raise with him. 
we all have resurrection. Because he died and he rose as our representative. So that which threatened all of us as, as human beings now has lost its power because Christ triumphed and he, he defeated death. We being united to him, we also triumph and we also defeat death with him. We rise because he rose first as our representative. And so Paul then, he can comfort the Thessalonians saying, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So here is the hope of every Christian. If you, it is your hope if you are afraid of death. And it is your hope if you have a loved one who died in Christ. With Christ, all those who have fallen asleep, they are going to raise from the dead. United to Christ. Because He rose, all Christians will rise with Him. So we need not to mourn like the world. Now the second reason why we should hope in the face of death. Because Christ himself will rescue his people. Have a look at verses uh, 15 to 17. I'm going to read it again. It says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll always be with the Lord. The other day I was talking to, with this uh, friend of mine. And we were discussing how the Lord has... Um, always blessed, well, not always, but he, he has, through many years, blessed Britain in, in special ways. And, uh, and I think one of the most beautiful examples of that is, uh, is, the, is the Dunkirk evacuation during the World War II, in which there were over 300,000 soldiers cornered in Dunkirk, Probably waiting for, for their death. And they were there waiting for rescue. So imagine being uh, one of those soldiers in, cornered in Dunkirk. And then you see the British uh, ships coming to, to rescue them. So they must have felt great joy. Yet not all of them were saved at the same time. The whole evacuation I think took place for eight or nine days. Uh, so they, they had to, to wait. So imagine being one of those soldiers who was rescued on the eighth or the ninth day. Having to wait. Rescue to come. So I imagine that while they were joyful that their friends were being evacuated. And were going back to safety. They themselves were concerned. What's going to be of me? What's going to happen uh, to me? And, and also 
I guess for the ones that did go on in, on those boats in the first or, or second day, they would look down back to the beach in Dunkirk and, and wish that their friends were coming as well. And they themselves were concerned with those that were left behind. And the sad reality was that no matter how concerned they were, they could not all be rescued at once. It had to, uh, it happened in stages. And so the Apostle Paul now, he's addressing here to the Thessalonians about those who have already died. And their concern was that maybe their friends who had passed away already, maybe they would be left behind. Or maybe they would have a, a less glorious participation when Christ was to come back. But Paul says that it is God's promise that no one would be left behind. And Paul's language is very strong. He says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And this, verse, this will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Could even be translated as, we will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. And note that in this, in this second coming, uh, the, the, the whole thing is not going to happen in installments. Christ is going to come. It's going to be a one-off event. He's not going to send angels to rescue Christians, but rather he is coming himself. It says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. It's a bit like, you might remember in Exodus chapter 3, God, he, he meets Moses, and, and he, what, what does he say to Moses? I've, I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have seen their affliction, and I know their suffering. And what does he say then? And I have come down to rescue them. I have come down to rescue them. So unlike that evacuation uh, of the people in Dunkirk, Christ's coming will not happen in installments, but most important of all, it will be God himself who will come and rescue his people. It will be Billions, trillions of times more glorious than the Dunkirk evacuation. And, and those who have passed away before the coming of the Lord, before our Lord appears in the, clouds, in the clouds, they will have no disadvantage at all. All will share in, in God's victory at the same time. All will be rescued by God himself. But maybe the, the concern of the people in Thessalonica was not so much, well, will they be left behind? Maybe they, they knew that actually everyone is going to come with Christ. But maybe their concern was, what about their bodies? Because if Christ appeared now, I'm here and I'm with my body, and I'm, you know, it's easy for me to, to, raise, to go up with Christ. But what about my friend who passed away a year ago, and now the body is gone? What is going to happen to his or her body? <laughs> And, and, and if we look at the letter of Thessalonians, we're going to see that Paul, he, he's always concerned with the body of believers. 
he says in the beginning of chapter 4, he says that we should not give our bodies for sexual immorality, but our, our bodies should be used for honor and, and holiness. And so Paul is concerned about believers' bodies, not only when they are alive, but now we can see that also when they die. Because uh, he says that God will, will raise the bodies of those who are asleep, of those who passed away. So with the Lord in, in, in his second coming, we're not going to become a disembodied creatures floating around in, in, in the sky. But rather, we're going to have our human bodies. We will inherit a God's kingdom with glorified bodies. And the Lord is going to rescue those who have passed away with their bodies. Their bodies, they're going to rise. And the Lord will, will take all of us together to be with Him with our bodies. It's a bit like you might remember in Genesis, in the final chapters of Genesis, you have um, Joseph and God promising to Joseph, Joseph, you're now in Egypt, but your bones, they're not going to stay in Egypt. Your bones, they're going to go to the promised land. And that's what happens when God lifted up his people 400 years later. The bones of Joseph were brought with God's people to the promised land. And so our brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, they, they, had, they had no reason to be concerned, to be worried because the bodies of their loved ones would not be left behind. Just like Joseph's bones were not left behind. But the Lord himself would descend. And the Lord himself would raise uh, the bodies from the dead. And all would inherit God's kingdom. And then, what is the culmination of all these events? What happens after all of us... Uh, rise from the dead and meet the Lord in Christ, uh, the, the Lord in, in, in the clouds. And Paul says, and so, and here's the end, we will always be with the Lord. The wonderful, glorious hope of Christians. We will always be with the Lord. We're going to be in perfect union with God, with our triune God. And as the Lord had promised throughout Scripture, they will be my people and I will be their God. Then we're going to have that perfect completion when the Lord comes back and we will be His people and, we, and He is going to be our God forever in perfect union, in perfect harmony. So dear friends, when we think of our beloved ones who have passed away and we suffer and we mourn in face of the horrible idea of death and when we think of our own deaths as well if you are afraid of it we should look at death with hope When our beloved ones pass away, when they die, we should not mourn like the world 
does. We should not grieve like those who have no hope. Instead, even our grief should be a triumphant grief. Because our Lord is a triumphant God. Who triumphed over death. Who defeated death. And will raise his people with him. He will not abandon his people. One day we're going to be reunited uh, to our loved ones who are already in glory. They're going to be with their bodies and we're going to be with our bodies. And every tear will be wiped away from our faces. And we shall be forever rejoicing in perfect union. Not just with one another and with our loved ones who have passed away. But most importantly, with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So in the face of death, we should have hope. Because we are united to Christ. And because Christ himself will rescue his people. So let us thank our God now in prayer. And then we're going to sing our hymn before the Lord's Supper. We thank you, our wonderful God, for your mercy and grace. We thank you, Father, because you have not left us guessing what is our future, what is the future of our loved ones. But you gave us the full assurance through the Apostle Paul that we are going to rise from the dead. And we do not need to mourn like the world does. Because we know that our loved ones who have died with Christ, they also going to rise from the dead. And so we're going to be united together in perfect union with our Lord and Savior. And so we ask, Father, encourage us through these words, Father. We are so prone to get discouraged and overwhelmed. But we ask, Father, write these words in our hearts. That whenever we face death, the death of our loved one, of someone who dies in Christ. So then we may not mourn and grieve like the world does. Like those who have no hope. But instead we may rest in the full assurance that we are united to Christ in his resurrection. And that Christ himself will rescue his people. We pray, Father, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.